Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I've tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I have learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about making the necessary adjustments that are needed as we navigate our lives without our loved one who died. This post was published on Thursday, July 27th, 2023, and it's called Tangled Up in Blues. As you may know from my writing, I'm not much of a pet lover. And in the blog, I included a link to one of my blog posts about animals, which was called Horse Shit. Um, You can access that on the website. I don't have anything against pets, except that they need to be, well, fed, taken out, checked at the vet, and bathed. They need supervision, attention, and hygiene. As previously shared, I have already cleaned enough excrement to surpass my lifetime quota. But alas, I'm starting to feel more like it might be time to consider getting a dog. (laughs) Don't tell anyone I said that. In the meantime, while walking with a friend, I was admiring two dogs moving in full stride. These gorgeous animals were strutting in step with their owner, who was loosely managing both dogs and both leashes. I was admiring their gait and their apparent exuberance, until one of them got her paw and then her front leg stuck under the leash. The dog didn't even react. She just kept on strutting. No complaints. No looking around to see who was watching her. No gaze of expectation that somebody would fix it for her. (laughs) She just happily continued to do the walk of life, (laughs) for you Dire Straits fans, to the best of her ability. But it wasn't as if this dog was unaffected by the tangle. It was hard for her to maintain the seamless pace and swagger she'd put forth up until that point. Eventually, her front leg was nearly hoisted into the air, and even though it must have felt terrible and awkward, she did her best to keep up the pace. After a few brief moments, her owner was able to untangle the leash from that paw and leg, and the dog quickly resumed her previous gait. 
Have you ever observed this with your own dog or maybe someone else's? Dogs are very determined (laughs) to carry on with business as usual. We humans, we like to do the same. And in many aspects of daily life, those of us who can become like robots, meaning to continue to produce and perform, no matter what the circumstances and conditions are around us, well, we earn descriptors like, quote, successful, efficient, and effective. Awesome. Perhaps in the workplace, there is some merit to pressing forward no matter what. But I know one place that is definitely not the case, and that is on the healing path. When we are grieving, our gates are interrupted. Our paws and limbs might even be restrained or awkwardly flailing about, but we may not know how to disentangle ourselves. When our ability to function at our pre-loss, parentheses, pre-grief, capacity is hindered. Well, we keep on going anyway. And eventually, if we don't untangle the proverbial leash wrapped around our leg, we lose our ability to walk altogether. So, we keep moving. We take care of our families, go to work, keep gas in the car, food in the house, and try to remember to pay the electric bill. We attend social and community and spiritual events, and we take out the garbage. And quick reader's note here, notice that self-care activities are not included here, because those things often get shelved when we're hurting. We stagger along, trying to walk like we did before our lives changed, which was the very second we had to say goodbye. And if we can't untangle ourselves, it may take someone around us, some kind soul who knows us well and still loves us unconditionally, and then musters up the courage to stop us and say, let's sit for a minute. In its early stages, our tangled up walk might mean something like we can't get out of bed or that we can't stop crying we may not be able to see a way forward. This certainly happened when my daughter Alexis died and when my son Emmanuel died. The sheer absence of my children was the only thing I could feel. Other than the demands in my immediate environment, I was not walking anywhere, let alone doing the walk of life. As this dynamic progresses, and In the absence of adequate support systems, an entangled grief walk can transition into something more serious and unhealthy. We often hear words like depression and anxiety, so they have the capacity to lose their impact. But there is nothing common or safe about feeling like there is no way out, about feeling like life is without purpose, and like feeling that no one will ever understand. Those are all feelings that are normal after loss. But when they start to threaten our well-being, if left unchecked and untreated, they can be dangerous. 
I share this as a reminder because living with grief without making any adjustments is like trying to walk a dog with a leg tangled in her leash. We are all doing the things that we would normally do with our families, with our friends, at our jobs, and in our communities. Yet we are slow, we are heavy and off balance. Maybe we're even unaware of what the tangle is or or where it is. So we have no idea how to release the tug that this grief has on us. Living without people we love is a terrible skill set to have to learn. Yet it's one that we're all called to practice sometime during our lives. Some people have more opportunities than others to actualize their grieving and therefore healing skills. But when we have to let go of life as we know it, there is never a warm and fuzzy welcome to that change. It's hard in all caps to grieve. And it's hard in all caps to heal. But we don't want to outsource these critical actions to others. So they have to slow us down and untangle us. Alternatively, let's make sure we're doing at least what we can to help ourselves. And that will be different for everyone. But there are a couple of levers that we can pull on our own to help ourselves along and eventually even break loose from the tangle. Here are some basic suggestions on what to do when missing your loved one is keeping you tangled up in blues. Cue the Bob Dylan fans. So there are about three or four here. And the first one is to stop. Stop in all caps. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Take a day off or a week. Not just from work, from everyone and everything. The best way to break the momentum of anything is to stop driving the process. Just as we restart our computers when they don't work, or reset the clocks because of a power outage, coming to a halt is the most effective way to mitigate additional damage. What do I mean by damage? Well, I'm referring to things like quitting a job you need, ending relationships, numbing, hurting selves or hurting others, and later feeling regretful. These situations can and will make matters worse. The second one, breathe. (laughs) Run an internet search for self-calming measures including breath work, or set up a complimentary online session with me to learn more. There's a link to set that up in my calendar uh, in the actual post. So continue on for breathe. A general rule of thumb is to inhale for a count of six and exhale for a count of seven. Do this for four to five cycles per minute for a minimum of two minutes to calibrate your body to a sense of calm. The third one, connect. One of my favorites. 
Find a way to spend time with someone who loves you unconditionally. This could be in an, an interaction with family or friends, a pet, and God even, or nature. The duration of the connection is less important than getting any dose of that healing balm, aka love, to your grief wounds ASAP. Love is the shortest distance between tangles and relief, so get it wherever you can. Number four, you're not going to like this one, stay off social and news feeds. I'm going to say it again in case you think you misheard me, stay off social and quote unquote news feeds. Without question, this is one of the most dangerous activities to engage in when we're in the midst of a personal or any type of crisis. The science and the research that support this statement is unequivocal. But for here, let's just say that these dealers, social and news feeds, they're exploiting our vulnerabilities by flooding us with, well, FUD, F-U-D. If you're in sales, you may know this term, but it stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And we are giving our attention away as if we're buying it hook, line, and sinker. Just say no to social and news feeds. And if you can't, at least try to create some time limits around your participation in these alternative universes. The next one, give yourself a break. The healing path is rugged. It has potholes, it's covered with strewn debris, and even if we aren't completely new to grief, each loss affects us so differently. And we need to lay off the self-talk that's negative, accusatory, critical, condemning, regretful, and guilty, and trade those destructive phrases and feelings for a simple mantra like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm here, and that is enough, period. Here's another one. Even though I can't see a, f- a way forward right now, I know there is one. And I'm not the first or the last person to want to give up after losing a loved one. And the last, <laughs> today sucked, but I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> These are just a couple ideas. And one of my favorite mantras, my personal, that I've created and built on over the years is, I have what I need and I know what to do. And that has actually evolved into, and I'm doing it. So there's really three parts there. I have what I need, I know what to do, and I'm doing it. So it's a quick reminder for me that in any given moment, I can reclaim my balance. Even if I don't believe it, I say it. (laughs) And most of the time, it eventually lands. And this additional exercise on breaking the tangles is to create our own mantra. So try this if you're so inspired. Imagine you're talking to a friend who's in deep grief and think about what you might say to them simply and lovingly just to encourage them. 
then write that down and put it up somewhere where you can't miss it. When you're stuck, say it out loud. Repeat often. And then I included a pro tip, which is the more you say it, the deeper it takes root. So what I'm suggesting is to do some pre-planning and arm yourself with something comforting. And you imagine that you're speaking to someone who's in grief and you say to them, you know, exactly what you would say to that person only then you flip it and you, you know, you're basically giving yourself that information. You put it on a sticky or in your phone or in your notes or somewhere. You can email it to yourself um, where you're going to see it again and again and, you know, say it out loud and you'll get to um, be able to draw on that and have something if you're feeling ambushed or anything like that, then you can just go ahead and say it. So um, in summary, none of us can walk <laughs> if our leg is tangled up with a leash, grief, some sort of unforgiveness, or even regret. We are loving people. And if we have people around to encourage us, great. But we don't want to rely on others. After all, think about this. We, when we're grieving and other times too, we don't even know what the hell we need. We have no idea what's happening or what happens next. So let's not assume that someone, someone person, or someone thing outside of us will be more of a healing asset to us than we can be for ourselves. And when we do this, we kind of take the power back uh, for ourselves. So we do it by engaging in healing activities we know to do, even if, okay, maybe they haven't worked in the past or even if we don't think they'll work now, I'm saying do them anyway, because our healing is 100% our business. And I'm going to say that a second time because it's that important. Our healing is 100% our own business. So we take help we can get, and we appreciate that. But at the end of the day, untangling ourselves from tragedy and pain. It's a DIY, lifelong commitment that we ourselves own or don't. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Healing Path Podcast. And hopefully some of these ideas have landed. I've made a note uh, about basically three big ideas. Uh, So let's just quickly talk about those. The first is This idea that, you know, when we lose someone we love, there are adjustments that need to be made. Our lives are different. And we've talked about this in different capacities and contexts. But at the end of the day, we are not the same person, you know, depending on the relationship, the history, the love, the, you know, sadness, the abuse, if there was, these can be very complicated things. So the idea that we're going to carry on in a life after we lose someone that has made a huge impact in our lives, who may even be, you know, our best friend, someone that we're used to being able to go to, or someone that, you know, is comforting to you and you and you know that always, you know, connecting with them is going to help. These things have to be um, looked at carefully and thought through and, you know, strategies can be created to help those adjustments along. So that's definitely the first big idea I want to call out. And the second is we can't walk if we're tangled up. 
this is obviously a metaphor that I keep referring to. Hopefully you're following it at least a little bit. Um, but if we if we have, you know, something around our legs, say like the dog and the leash, we can't, you can see how obvious it is that we would need to get untangled if we expect to be able to move or do anything. And so this is true, true in grief as well. If we're bogged down with pain that we haven't dealt with, or we're pretending that we can just move forward and things are really fine, there's nothing wrong with that to the extent that it's helping um, protect you from certain probably experiences of grief until you're you know ready for them or enough time has gone by or whatever it might be. But what I'm saying is over time, whether or not that happens in the first year after a loss or not for you know another 20 years, we have to find a way to process. And again, going back, making these adjustments, process our grief and integrate them with what is now our life. Because if we're tangled up in something, unforgiveness, anger, resentment, guilt, one of the worst ones, you know, what ifs, any of these kind of um, tangents that we can go on to, we cannot make the adjustments that we need because we're, you know, we're constantly being tugged on by the grief itself, which is something that's so painful, most of us avoid it, which is part of being human. Um, But that gets us to number three, the third big idea, which is let's do what we can to help ourselves. We don't want to outsource. This is a really, this is probably the biggest idea um, in this post if I'm giving my opinion on it. But this idea that we do not want to outsource our healing to anyone or anything. We don't want to need a certain cup of coffee or a certain type of situation to help us recover or you know feel desperate that certain things need to happen that come from others and those things are amazing and they are part of the healing process but for us we have to really just own this healing 100% if we do that and what i mean by own it is no matter what's happening around us we want to get really good at helping ourselves at knowing how to um, not need anything external to help us settle or to navigate, you know, something, an emotion that comes up or a feeling that we don't want to hold on to. And the way that we do this, I'm just calling out one little uh, thing that you can try is we want to create a, a mantra for ourselves so that when we find ourselves getting jacked up or something starts to feel out of control We want to have something that we go to that's ready-made so that when there's an ambush of any kind, we can kind of calm ourselves and soothe ourselves the way that we would someone that we really love and care about. So the way that we can do this is we go ahead and um, imagine that we're, you know, comforting the person so you can picture anyone that you care about or um, a stranger, even if you feel some kind of connection, but you come up with something soothing. And I, I've given my own um, example of this in the actual blog. And so the one that I've always had, it started out as I have what I need because there was a time in my life where I felt unable to adequately respond to certain situations, particularly if I was in pain. Um, and then it turned into, and not only do I have what I need, but I know what to do. And from knowing what to do now, that's evolved into, and I'm doing it. So three key parts there. But this is something I've said to myself thousands of times out loud, also mentally. And I heard someone say one time, and this totally stuck, we talk to ourselves more than anybody else. (laughs) 
So even if there's, you know, verbal abuse or something is not palatable in terms of our environment, what we tell ourselves and how we talk to ourselves is probably the biggest lever <laughs> that we can pull to get, you know, some of regain some of this balance that we may feel that we're losing. In addition, and as finishing up this third big idea of let's doing let's do what we can do to help ourselves and not outsource it. We talked about a couple of other uh, quick strategies, so I'm not going to go into them, but just relisting. We talked about stopping, breathing, connecting, staying off social and quote unquote news feeds. And the last one, of course, is give yourself a break. You know, today sucked, but I'll try again tomorrow. Give yourself a break. This, these are not widgets that we're making. These are not, you know, poems that we're writing or, or flowers that we're planting. This stuff is heavy and it's painful and it requires a lot of attention and a lot of grace. So I'm suggesting that as we reclaim our balance and as we try out some of these things, even though maybe they didn't work the last time I was grieving or even though I might not think it's going to work, we want to give ourselves a break and give ourselves every tool that we have. And one of them is just reminding us that, you know, every day is a fresh life. Every breath, we have a choice to change course. That's what makes us uniquely and fabulously human. So as always, I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you uh, during this podcast. And as we move forward into our day, let's just do our best to stay present to stay grateful and to stay healing. And absolutely, let's own the healing 100%. Thanks for listening.